heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. NBC Football Talk, 143, sponsored by SidelineShop.ca. Guys, for all your jersey needs, no matter the sport, go to SidelineShop.ca and tell them Griff sent you. Well, today, guys, look, week 18, it's all divisional matchups. This game is meaningless for the both of us, but I had to bring them in for this game. It's Big Rat 310 and I. We're going to take you through everything to do with week 18, other NFL news. The kid is back. We're going to talk about our game. That's later on down the road. But how are we doing today? Not to- Doing okay. Happy to be back. Happy to be back with you on the show. It's always a great time. Excited to talk about the week. Uh, you know, I had a tough Sunday, uh, to say the least. I had a tough Monday, too, because a lot of the fallout from that game was pretty rough. But uh, I get a little better with each passing day and excited to talk about it once we get to once we get to the Dolphins. I don't blame you at all. I'm, I'm, I'm like the opposite, obviously, besides the 50-burger. <laughs> um, I'm, I, uh, my gambling didn't hit that well last Sunday, but... I'm in a spread pool, and in that spread pool, I would I, I finished tied for first. I had a 12 and four record against the spread this week, but I lost on that tiebreaker. But you know that Baker Mayfield touchdown? Yeah. I lost on that because I said 27 points. I'm like, I just feel like it's going to be a garbage Monday night, like you know, yeah. a 16 to 10 game, and they were at 26 points. They got that touchdown, and I was just, I'm like, really, guys, really. <laughs> With like one minute left on the clock, and every everyone knew that the that the Browns were done. Like I understand mathematically, they still had two timeouts and all that, but just watching the game, like everyone knew the Browns were going to lose. That's crazy. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like it was just, and then Najee Harris ran it down after that point. I'm like, oh, whatever. So basically, what happened was each week, the it's a pretty big pot. We like it's a hundred dollar entry fee for this thing. So each week, basically, say if you win a week, you basically yeah. get your money back. So I was literally, if I had said like. In the 40s, I probably would have won because the guy who ultimately won the week had uh, he had uh, 45 points as his tiebreaker. Oh wow! Damn. The only ones I got wrong were the Rams, the Cowboys, the um, 49ers, and the, I, I just got to look it up quickly because I know there's one more on there, I believe. And I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, just give me a quick second, folks, as I vamp. Like I say, we are live. I will say while he's looking it up, I'm I in my as I kind of mentioned on the show last week, I pick five spreads every week to send to my brother. Uh, I'm currently 58 and uh, 40, 43 on the year, so so far so good. But uh, I, last week I went three and two, and one of my losses was on the Niners, and I was very very upset because if you watch that game, the Texans the Texans very much deserve to cover, and right bef- right before the 49ers kicked the extra point. Uh, they were going to go for two, and then there was a penalty, and then they were able to scrap the two-point conversion and just kick the extra point. And if they had just if they had gone for two and failed, Texans would have covered twelve and a half. So, yeah, that that was a that was very very annoying. So if you lost on them, I sympathize with you because I did as well. The last one that I got wrong was the Do- not the Dolphins. I got that. I, sorry, I picked the Titans to cover. Um, I got the Lions wrong. I thought the lot so the Lions are top. Like they've only not covered. I think. Four or five times yeah. in the season. Yeah, they were ten and five against the spread before that game. I I initially picked them to cover, and then I pulled them at the last minute because I just kind of had a bad feeling. 
Um, just because, uh, like, they, they rarely, like, it's hard for them to string, like, the competitive performances a few multiple weeks in a row. Like, we've seen this with the Lions. They'll be very, very close, very, very close, and then they'll kind of have, like, a step back. And then they'll go back to being like this week. They'll probably be close and competitive, if not win with Tim, not Tim Boyle, with Jordan Love's Green Bay Packers. So, uh, yeah, so I, I pulled them, but I pulled them for the Chiefs minus four, and they also didn't cover. So it ended up didn't making it ended up not making a difference. Uh, th- those were my two losses, and my three win my three wins were the Steelers, the Ravens, and uh, the Washington Football Team. That's right, because I got them at four and a half, so mm-hmm. they covered. You really zip tied that one together. Um, so I just want to ask you quickly though. So is Jordan? I haven't seen anything. So Jordan Love is the confirmed starter for Sunday. I don't think it's confirmed. That was just my my guess is if Rogers plays, I can't see him playing a whole game. Like I could see him playing like a drive or two, maybe get a touchdown to boost the MVP race and all that stuff. But I think Jordan Love's going to play the majority of snaps. I do not know if that's confirmed. Uh, looking into it now, but that, that's just my guess. I, also, I, got, I understand. It's also kind of reflected in the spread because if I'm looking at it now on my phone, the Packers are, yeah, the Packers are only three and a half point favorites. That's got to be because they think the Green Bay is not going to play their starters fully because Packers would be significantly more favored than that, even on the road, if Rodgers was playing the whole game. It's like that thing like where we always say Vegas always knows more. Like I was actually yep. talking, I've been talking all this week, um, Danny and I, because we always like give, just communicate, communicate with each other about gambling advice. And, well, for starters, the one him and I rode last night was we took the Brooklyn Nets when they were down by like 14. Yep, smart. And we both took it on the money line in the cupboard. But uh, the one the reason why we're talking today was because New York, uh, basically, as of Saturday morning, mobile mobile gambling is going to be legal there. So basically, he can use like uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, all that stuff there, no problem now. Instead of I think having to go to Jersey or casinos and do it. And he was telling me apparently in New York, I think a lot of the books there are going to get people in New York to like have them just take spreads that you know those sucker bets where they think, hey, it's easy money, I'm going to win, but then it ultimately loses. Yep. Yeah. So he's saying like that's going to happen, but then. With this week, though, I, a lot of the spreads seem like, realistically, I can't see too many upsets happening. Yeah, no, I mean, we'll talk about our game. Um, we'll talk about that later, because that's very complicated. But yeah, I mean, it would require, it would have to require, I'm not seeing a whole lot of sucker plays generally. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it when we go game by game. Exactly. And let's, let's hop right in the saddle, because Saturday... The first game between Kansas City and Denver, I honestly love the Chiefs to cover 11.5. One, because obviously everyone here knows my Drew Locke stance, but the second one being, look, the Chiefs are still in that hunt for the one seed, and whenever they lose, they don't usually lose back-to-back. I agree with you fully, and I let me just say on this podcast right now, to officially end the debate, an apology to you, an apology to Miguel, on the on the preview show, on the preview show at the start of the year, we talked about wildcard teams, and my surprise wildcard team was the Broncos. Your guys' surprise wildcard team was the Raiders. All right, th- I think Phil Phil was on the show with us. Phil also made that argument with Miguel. And uh, I made my Broncos case, and you, you more than anyone I know, have been on the fire Vic Fangio train longer than anyone. You were on that midway through last season. And I was still kind of on the fence. I was like, well, he's a good defensive coordinator. Like, let's give him more time. Um, but... I'm now closer to your side, and yeah, the Broncos 
are cooked. And the Chiefs are going to be playing all their starters. Like, if Teddy was playing, I could talk myself into them covering 10 points. But the catch-22 to that is if Teddy was was playing, the spread would probably be lower in the first place. So, yeah, I think Kansas City has to play all their starters because – Tennessee is certainly capable of losing to the to the Texans. They lost to them early in the season. The game is in Houston. So as unlikely as it is, the Chiefs do kind of have to play their starters. And maybe they rest Mahomes for the fourth quarter if they're up by like three touchdowns. And maybe the Broncos sneak in a backdoor. But I, I would agree. If you're if you're going to bet this game, you it's either the Chiefs or stay away is my my recommendation. That that's just my big thing here. Like the only thing is I can see I can see the. 45 point under hitting because you know the Denver defense is capable of stopping Mahomes like if I truly had to put like a score on this one I'd have to say like 24 to 24 to 10 kind of score yeah I was I was literally just about to I was about to say 23 to 10 and it feels like if you watch the history of this rivalry of Mahomes against Fangio it's usually that theme like Fangio's defense is usually good at holding them to 20, 23 points, but his offenses can never really can like barely score double digits. So yeah, 24 to 10. That sounds about right. Last time they played, it was 22 to nine. And I think even last year, there was the one game in Kansas city on a Sunday night as well, where the, uh, the yeah. Broncos almost won. I think it was like 23 to 16 or something like that. It yeah, was like- tw- yeah. It was like 20, I think it was 22 to 16, but yeah, it was, it was right along those lines. And there, there was another game last year in Denver where the Chiefs killed them, only because the Broncos turned it over like four times. There was a pick six, there was a fumble six, uh, but yeah, the the Sunday the Sunday night game was also in a similar theme. Yeah, tw- twenty two to sixteen, twenty two to sixteen. Exactly. My only argument I'm going to make right now is because I've seen people saying this a lot. Well, there's actually one positive I'll give to the Broncos. Look, I think Patrick Sertan's going to be a star corner for them for years to come. He's a like his like I I read it through PFF and. I don't remember what the exact number is, but his yards allowed, I think, is like well under a thousand. Yeah, and he's he's the he's the PFS number two graded defensive rookie. Most years he'd win defensive rookie of the year. He just he can't this year because the winner is so obvious. But most years he'd have a good shot. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think this team is talented. You kind of I saw Benjamin Albright was reporting that. A lot of Broncos players in their press conferences this week, once because this week they officially got eliminated after they lost to the Chargers. A lot of them were very upset. Like they really, a lot of players on that team really believe their playoff caliber. I do too. That's why I advocated for them at the start of the year. So I I do think this is a good team. I think it's well. I think it's a good roster. I think it's a great defense on paper. I think their weapons on paper are pretty impressive, and their O line is actually decent. It's not terrible like most of the O lines in the league are. So. Yeah, they should be better than they are. You can blame Fangio. You could blame the quarterback situation, obviously. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they can get a Rodgers, a Russell Wilson, or a Deshaun Watson. I hope they can get one of those three, and then we can really see this team take off next year with a different staff. That is my hope, but we'll have to wait and see. So this is from November 1st, but through seven of his first eight games, he allowed fewer than 40 yards in coverage. Wow. Yeah, that's a great stat. The only thing I'm going to say, though, about, like, I, I know that they're a quarterback away, but I'm not, like, some people are trying to anoint them, like, they're the, currently the 2019 Buccaneers. I'm not ready to go that far and say that you get a quarterback and you're in the Super Bowl conversation. Obviously, if you get, like, a Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson, it's a very different conversation, but I'm just not here to go stapling my name in March saying, you know what, hey, this team's going to turn it around, they're going to win. And with Fangio, he's a great defensive mind, it's just... When it comes to – they're just that team. They need that offensive mind in there. That's, that's been my case since pretty much 2020. 
And the last thing I'll say on them and this game generally, uh, the Bucks for all their problems with Jameis, this is always my argument when people say, like, Brady turned the team around. As you know, as the resident Brady skeptic and someone who just doesn't like those arguments generally, uh, the Bucks with Jameis, they at least had the – with Jameis and Fitz, they had the number one passing offense in 2018 and 2019. Everyone can go look that up. They, in 2018, they had more passing yards than the Kansas City Chiefs did. Same in 2019. And so – Despite the quarterback problems, they all they always had like a great offense, a great passing offense at least. They always moved the ball, always. James would just always turn it over, and they would and they would usually score pretty well too. So this current Broncos offense is not doing that. They're not the number one passing offense in the league like those teams were. So like Brady was the missing piece because Godwin and Evans is an elite, elite combination, like best duo in the league caliber. And then they brought Gronk back and they brought Antonio Brown back and the Bucks O-line then drafted Tristan Wirfs, which is what elevated that O-line from being good to the best in the, the best in football or close to it. So, yeah, I agree with you. The, um, even with an elite quarterback, I don't think the offense, while I like their skill players, it's certainly not 2019 Bucks quality where literally the Bucks like – they didn't need Brady to be Brady. They could have had like they could have had like you know the tenth best quarterback in football, the twelfth best quarterback in football. They still might have won that Super Bowl. So yeah, exactly. Um, like I'm also looking at their offensive stats. Like total yards are 19th, passing yards are 19th, rushing yards are 14th, but then points, points per game they're 23rd. Third down they're they're uh, 23rd. Their best stat is points. They only allow 18.4 points a game. It's a good. It's a good defense. Like it's. Their defense got better after they traded Von Miller, which sounds counterintuitive, but Albright was explaining it that Von Miller's leadership style is like very goofy. Like, and he's because he's, you know, the Super Bowl MVP, the franchise legend, all those guys like kind of deferred to him. But he was saying guys like Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons, they wanted to like have strict accountability. They wanted to get after guys when they messed up plays and coverage. And Von Miller was like, come on, like, let's be, let's relax. Let's be nice, et cetera. And Von Miller was the leader. And then when they traded Von Miller, they kind of were able to kind of have that attitude shift in the locker room of holding guys accountable just because of a different leadership style. And the numbers speak for themselves. Their defense was bad early in the year, and it ended up being, you know, as advertised towards the end. Exactly, exactly. Like, that's just the whole thing. Like, this is going to be one of those teams in 2022 in the offseason where you're going to look at them and go, okay, can you make that leap and be in that wildcard conversation next year? Because I'm I'm still going to look at, obviously, the Chargers and the Chiefs to be the dogs of the division. Raiders, we'll, we'll, we'll get into them, but they... We'll, like I said, we'll get into them, but I just got to get to this next game because we have uh, Philadelphia versus Dallas. Uh, right now, the spread's at the Cowboys. The, the spread's actually dropped ever since the Cowboys put more guys in the protocol. The Cowboys minus five, and the over-under is 43 and a half. Uh, this game is so tough. I want to go Dallas just because I think, look, they, have, they need a bounce back after last week. But I want to go Philly just because I feel like they'll have more readily available guys. And I have two hot takes I want to present to you. One is that Jalen Hurts, I think, is definite QB1 in Philly. The other, I think there's a chance that Nick Sirianni could be in the coach of the year conversation. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think he should belong in that combo. Because like how you always say, they usually give it to a first-year head coach who's exceeded expectations. Yeah, and like, uh, like uh, what's his name? Brandon Staley like, was like the perfect template for this. It's just that I think, I think that Texans loss like, really, really hurt his coach of the year case. Like, 
they just looked so bad against the team that was clearly worse than them. That And he's a defensive-minded coach, and often when they lose, it's because of defensive issues, which is different from the Eagles, where like the offense and the running game has helped them out a lot. So, yeah, I, I, I would definitely give it to Sirianni over Staley. But I don't, yeah, the problem is if, if the Titans get the one seed, I think Vrabel's going to get it because everyone's going to rightfully say they lost Derrick Henry, they lost A.J. Brown for several weeks, Julio's barely never played for them, and they still, like, just kind of persevered and were still able to get the one seed. So I think that that's what's going to happen if the Titans win. If the Titans don't win, then, yeah, I, 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 you can give it to LaFleur, you can give it to Nick Sirianni, you can give it to a few guys. Um, so I, I don't disagree with that hot take necessarily. Uh, Hertz, I'm not there on Hertz yet. Uh, I, I, I struggle with him because he was legit bad the first half of the year and they had to change their offense and that's to their credit. It's not a negative. They completely changed their offense. They changed to being a runs, a run heavy run dominant team. And, uh, they still, my problem with them is that they still, they, their offense in the first half is still like they do this every week. They like don't score in the first two quarters. And then their defense gets a few stops and they like roll on like 10 unanswered. You know, they were down 10-0 and 13-0 to the Washington football team in back-to-back games. And against the Giants, it was 3-3 at halftime. They do this a lot, like where they their offense just goes to sleep for a half and then it just like wakes up all of a sudden. Um I I just have questions about if, if the running game isn't working, can Hertz save the day against good competition? Um, I'm skeptical um, because Hertz, Hertz's biggest problem is that sometimes he bails the pocket too prematurely. Watch every Jalen Hurts game of my life is always the same. He gets forced out of his pocket. He scrambles to his right. And sometimes he makes, he throws like a bomb down the sideline on the right side of the field to Quez Watkins or Devonta Smith. And that's how he gets out of a bad play. And that's fine and all, but I think, when you have um, when you have a bad offensive line, you could sometimes bail the pocket too prematurely all the time, and that's what I'm going to be watching with Hertz as his career moves forward because his O line is fantastic. Brandon Thorne ranks the Eagles O line as the fifth best in football. People think Jeff Stoutland is the new like Bill Callahan. They think he's the new best O line coach in the league. So succeeding under these circumstances is great and all, even though like the definition of success is a little tempered, but I want to see it when conditions aren't perfect. So I, I let, let's see what happens in the playoff game. Let's see what happens like next season. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. I think he's a little limited as a player still, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm amenable to, if Danny's listening to this, I'm amenable to changing my mind, but we'll see. My big thing with this is with them, if they were to lose wildcard weekend, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just, you know, to look forward to. I think if they say, like, you know how last year Cleveland went into Pittsburgh, blew them out, and then almost went to the AFC Championship game, even though it wasn't Mahomes and a quarterback? I feel like if they were to do something like that, it would almost hurt them more than it would help them. I feel like if you get into the playoffs, if you lose, it kind of leaves that sour taste in your mouth that makes you want it more. But then if you, the further you go, because I know obviously they're not a Super Bowl team, my whole thing with them is just look, whatever happens this year is great. It's just for next year. I don't want their fans to have unreal ex- unrealistic expectations. One, because we know how fucking annoying Eagles fans can get. Sorry, Bobby and, <laughs> and Martin. But um, at the same time, too, you want them to kind of be grounded and understand where they are, kind of like those tough pills that Giants fans are finally starting to swallow. 
I agree with you. And like we like the Browns obviously is a quintessential example of this. And even my Dolphins to a lesser degree, um, I think they overestimated. I think they overestimated how close they were to contending uh, based on last year's results. And you, the Browns did this. A lot of teams do this. So you definitely want to avoid that trap, especially like. It, at least, like at least the Browns hadn't won a playoff game in twenty years. Like, what does it matter if the Eagles won a playoff game? They won one like a few years ago. Like, it really just they won a Super Bowl a few years ago. It just it doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. And last, last two comments I'll make on Hurts. One, everyone should remember that the New York Giants, which the past month has looked like the worst team in the league, they look worse than the Texans. They look worse than the Jaguars the last couple of weeks. Their defense had their best game of the season against Jalen Hurts, not against any other quarterback. Two. Gardner Minshew, when he came in for Hurts, yes, it was against the Jets. I can hear Danny yelling that in my ear right now. Uh, Gardner Minshew looked as competent at quarterback in a very different way. Obviously, they ran a different offense, but they scored 32 points with Gardner Minshew. Like, I just think I think this offensive environment is underrated. I think the O-line is elite. The run game is excellent. The run game's been great ever since Miles Sanders came back. And I know he just got hurt, but while he was back, it was a big deal. Devonta Smith's a good player. And I think Quez Watkins is a really underrated player, too. He has 600 receiving yards on the season. A lot of people probably don't know that. So, yeah, and Goddard as well. Like, I just think the offensive environment is really, really, really underrated. And I, we, I just need to see a little more. That's all. But, yeah, we can, we can – I've got nothing else on this game. Like, how can anyone have a strong opinion on this game? We don't really know who's going to play. We don't know how – like, Nick Sirianni still hasn't committed to the Eagles playing their starters the whole game. We just don't really know. Like, there's so much uncertainty. I, I would guess Dallas wins, but I would guess Dak plays because I think they should kind of care about being the two-seed. And they have a very realistic path to being the two seed. Um, but yeah, like I, I, other than that, I just don't have a hugely strong opinion on this one. Um, Cowboys, I guess. That's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. At the end of the day, I think I got I know I said Eagles, but I feel like Cowboys, look, it's just a safe play. Like I said, I feel like this week there are a lot of safe bets to make no real like risk. If you can take risk if you want to, but I feel like if you want to be safe, go safe. And I agree with you too. I don't think the Cowboys should take a week off kind of like what we saw. And I'm going to go back to this because look, we just passed the two year anniversary of my first ever episode. But with the first few episodes, Phil came on here and made the take about the Titans beating the Ravens in the divisional round two years ago. And that's what happened. So I don't want the Cowboys to do it because look, the Cowboys go and lose wildcard weekend. Yes. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. But like I say, this, I say this and I hate to say this, but the NFL will probably be a better place for them, for the league, if the Cowboys do make a deep playoff run. I'm not saying they have to be in L.A., but if they end up playing on the NFC Championship game, well, for one, we won't stop hearing about it, and for two, it gives the league a little bit more credibility because, guess what, one of their top teams is in the Final Four. This, this it'll be interesting, too, because if they don't make a deep playoff run, you really want got to wonder about McCarthy. It's unfair. He's had a great season. The team is great. But you kind of look at them, and you're like, well, how do you improve? Like, the defense has been great this year. The offense, on paper, I mean, when everyone's healthy, they got everything you need. They, they don't even have problems at tight end anymore. So it really makes you wonder. If they like lose in the wild card round, is Jerry Jones going to panic and fire McCarthy? Like, I, I really do wonder about that. So, yeah, something to keep in mind as we go forward. But we can go on to the next game. Uh, before I do that, though, I'll make a couple. There's a couple of points I want to make. Uh, one, as well, is that they're best. They're, in my opinion, the better running back right now, Tony Pollard, only makes under he makes under a million dollars. Makes nine hundred sixty thousand a year. Wow. The other thing is too. 
I still think there's a chance that Amari Cooper is gone from this team at the end of the season as a cap casualty. Yeah, yeah, very, very possible. And he's not he's uh he's not been as involved in the offense as he was in prior years. Now, maybe that's just a coincidence, maybe that's just injuries in a weird season, but so, something to watch, something to watch. I agree with you. Oh, the only thing I'll say too about the Cowboys because they pissed me off last week was I had a so in the afternoon window, my well, you know, now my now fiance and I had a uh, five team anytime touchdown parlay going. Wow. DD Lamb was the last leg that didn't hit. Oof. Allen, Tyler Lockett, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I got to look at the four o'clock window again to see what the other game was. Uh, oh, Debo Samuel and then CD Lamb. CD Lamb was the only one that did not hit. It, it was. I literally placed five bucks on it. If I if we had won, it would have been like a two hundred dollar win. Man, that's really not fair. That's freaking brutal. My God. Yeah. So that happened there. So that's how to say that about the Cowboys. Um, going on to Sunday now, Steelers at Ravens, and what probably I think for the, both of these teams will be their last games. Uh, Forty-one and a half. Ravens are a four and a half point favorite, but you know what? I'm going with Steelers as a four and a half point underdog in this game. I know I say yeah. you don't want to be risky, but Man, the Ravens just haven't. The Ravens were six and two, and then you guys basically broke them. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because uh, Lamar got hurt. But yeah, that, that is like the running joke. The running joke in Dolphins Twitter is that uh, the Dolphins ended the Ravens season. Brian Flores ended Lamar Jackson. Uh, but Lamar, I mean, Lamar did struggle a few weeks after that. But you know, he got hurt. Pretty soon after, we didn't really see a whole lot of him, so I, I, I don't want to make too much of a declared statement. But they ha- they haven't been the same, and I believe as of today, uh, Lamar didn't. We're, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Lamar didn't practice again, and the current rumor is that it's going to be Huntley again. So yeah, we'll see. My other thing with them too is is look, if you don't go for two against the Ravens and the Packers, and you kick the field goals. They're eight and eight right now. That could easily be ten and six right now. They, I think, you could easily beat both teams. And then, even still, there was the game against Cleveland where they had the backdoor cover. But even still, the first Cleveland game they almost lost to. I think it was like sixteen to ten was the final. Um, I think the Ravens honestly just they shot themselves in the foot this year. They that's that's honestly what happened down the stretch. I know injuries aside, I think there was just a lot of situations where you could have won and been smart. But this is I know you love stats and analytics and everything, but this. Is, where not not a stat. This is a place where analytics kind of bit them in the ass, if you want to say. No, yeah, and I think I think it depends on the game. I think like because we don't know what would have happened in overtime for either game. Um, I think it's fair to say in the Steelers game, you know, you're better than the Steelers. Like, why don't you just take your chances in overtime? You'll probably beat them. Like, I think that's fair. For the Packers, I, I kind of understood it more because. Like, they were not projected to win in overtime against Aaron Rodgers. They were playing with Tyler Huntley. I know Tyler Huntley had been playing well in the fourth quarter, but still a backup quarterback. Like, I'll give you a great example. Geno Smith for the Seahawks when they played the Steelers. Geno played well on the last two drives to send the game to overtime, right? And you would think, oh, Geno, so you would think, oh, Geno's playing well, Geno's playing well, trust him in overtime. And then in overtime, he fumbled, and that's how they lost the game. So... Just because Tyler Huntley was playing well the last two drives, I don't think that means, oh, in the fourth quarter, in overtime, he's going to be flawless again. He's still a backup. He's playing well. Maybe he has a bright future, but he's still a young player. What if he throws a pick in overtime or something like that? 
Uh, fun fact, the Packers picked off Joe Burrow in overtime when they played the Bengals early in the season. So that one I understand because it's the best team in the league with your backup quarterback. I would take my chances on the two-point conversion there. But the Steelers one is different. I would agree with you. Um, either way, though, I think the injuries, like, you know, kind of like what you were saying about the Eagles, right? Like, even if they win a game, we know they're not going to win a Super Bowl. Don't lie to yourself. I think as a Ravens fan, and maybe anyone watching can disagree, you should feel okay if they don't make the playoffs. Because even if they made it, let's say they don't go for two, they beat the Steelers, and they make the playoffs in back in Week 13. I mean, what was this team going to do? They're so beat up. Like, I don't think people understand just how bad it's been. They lost all their running backs. They lost all their cornerbacks. They lost key members of their offensive line. Like, they've just been so beat up all year long. They lost Lamar that, like, even if they got in, they'd get in. Maybe they'd win the wild card round. But, like, this was not the Ravens team that was going to go all the way. They just – they're missing too many guys on too many key positions on the field. Like, their defense this year is awful. It's 27th. And here's your first DVOA reference, Randy. I know you mentioned it on Twitter earlier. That was me. Oh, <laughs> that was – okay. Randy mentioned the numbers, and then you said DVOA specifically. Yes. Uh, here's the first one. DVOA efficiency out of 32 teams, the Ravens' defense ranks 27th. It's the fifth worst defense in football. When have we ever seen that under John Harbaugh and Wink Martindale? This is not the Ravens team that we know and love. And then, as we saw in the second half of the season, the offense started to struggle. It struggled, and I think we can say this fairly, it struggled with Lamar before Tyler Huntley even got in there. So this was just not a Super Bowl team. So I really wouldn't, Ravens fans, I really wouldn't beat yourself up over it. Like, because of the injuries, the two-point conversions, like, it's all good. Like, this wasn't going to be a Super Bowl Ravens team anyways. Like, move on to next season, get everybody healthy. As for the game, I'm going to disagree with you slightly and pick the Ravens. I'll pick the Steelers. I'll, I'll take the Steelers on the points, though. Um, I just think that the Steelers last year was kind of their – last week was kind of their Super Bowl. That was a very emotional game. The Ravens are not just going to give up here. Like, it's in Baltimore. It's against their their arch rival. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna get up for this game. So, I think the Ravens win a close one. That's my prediction. Um, I, I said they'll take the Steelers to cover. I never said they were going to win. I'm going the same route as you. I may have said it, but I'm going to change it. You know what? I like yours. I'm going to go Ravens win, Steelers cover. Uh, also, because I want to see uh, eight, eight, a team still finish 8-8 eight eight in the 17-game season. Um, I, also, looking at their defensive stats, they're third in the league on third down still. They're only the 34, uh, 34 conversion rate, 34% conversion rate on third down, which is still pretty impressive considering all their injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they, they've done a good job there. And, I mean, like, they are, like, look, they're well-coached and they're prideful. Like, you know, and they blitz a lot. So it, it would make sense. Like, on third and long, they bring the heat. They can get success there. The, the problem is that on first and second down, on first and second down, they blitz like crazy as well on passing downs. And they're just getting burned. Like, that's part of the reason why Joe Burrow, like, Joe Burrow destroyed them both times because they sent the, they sent the house on blitzes. Joe Burrow just threw it to Jamar Chase in man coverage. And Jamar Chase would just, like, or T. Higgins in the rematch game, they would both, like, just get, like, 50-yard touchdowns constantly. And, like, that, that, that really, like, beat up the Ravens' defense. Because without Marcus Peters... And without Marlon Humphrey, I know this as a Dolphins fan, the Dolphins blitz nonstop. 
and they trust Xavier Howard and Byron Jones to stay in coverage. And you know this is the Patriots fan too, whenever the Patriots send their blitzes. And so the Ravens do the same thing. They send the house, but the key, the key to that is the cornerback's got to be good. Like you need Xavier Howard and Byron Jones to hold their to hold their coverage. You need Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey to hold their coverage. So when you lose those two guys, you have two options. You either send the house and then your backup cornerbacks have to hold in coverage and they'll get torched. Or you completely or you completely change your defense. You completely change your identity. You completely change how you call the game. And that has risks too, because none of your players have practiced that. So I think injuries really hurt them defensively in a way it wouldn't have for other teams. But yeah, I agree with you. Let's get eight, eight and one. The first ever eight, eight and one team in NFL history. Perfect mediocrity. Exactly. Jeff Fisher is loving it. Um, Cleveland, Cincinnati. I don't have much to say about this game. Uh, the only thing I want to ask you about this. So, so the spread is Cleveland minus six, which I feel inclined to take just because of the whole no burrow, no mix in. But I love this under 38. I, cause like, do you remember the Thursday night game earlier this year between Denver and Cleveland when Case Keenum started? Oh yeah. The, it was what? 17, 10. Yeah, exactly. I'm literally, I look at this game and I see a 17 to 10, a 20 to 10 score. And that's the other thing too with Steelers Ravens over under is 41. I can see a under or a push like a 21 to 20 kind of game. Yeah, if you're if you're going for the under on uh, on Browns Bengals, the thing that you would have to avoid is some sort of shenanigans defensive touchdown by either team. That would be the the, the risk. But other than that, I, I really like that proposition a lot. Um, like the under in the Steelers game too. Steelers Ravens games always go under. Always like there's there's very few 35 30 games in the history of that rivalry. And uh, Browns, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean. At the point that they're resting Joe Burrow, it makes me think that they're not going to play Jamar Chase. They're not going to play T. Higgins. I don't know if that's confirmed, but if you're going to rest Burrow, you've basically given up. You might as well rest everybody. So the Browns are going to play starters. The Bengals are not. The game is in Cleveland. Yeah, I can I can see why six six points is a lot. But I also don't know if Case Keenum is a downgrade from the injured version of Baker Mayfield. In fact, I'll say it. The Baker, the version of Baker Mayfield that was beat up is probably not better than currently Case Keenum. So, um, I'm also just – I just want to go back and look quickly, too, at the uh, score history between the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, there's only been two, uh, three times since 2017 where each team has scored over 20 points. Wow, that's, that's that's crazy. Jesus. Yeah, and the biggest one was in uh, 2017 on December 10th when uh, Ball Pittsburgh beat them 39-38. Uh, so, yeah, but no, I can honestly, going back to the whole uh, Pittsburgh, uh, not Pittsburgh, Cleveland-Cincinnati game, though, yeah, I can see the same thing where, look, as long as nothing crazy happens defensively, this is going to be like that type of game. Like also to like even what we saw with Cleveland a few weeks ago when they played. Uh, I know that was Nick Mullins, obviously, and um, fucker cost me the spread. Um, where it's that kind of game where that game was sixteen to fourteen, just like you know an ugly score, low scoring game where like nothing really nothing exciting happens. Like I see a lot of that in this one o'clock window. Yeah, this is this is why the seed. This is why this week is both fun and difficult. Like it's fun because like there's a lot of games with stakes like the next game we're going to talk about 
but it's complicated because there's no like there's a lot of uncertainty we don't know how many like would it surprise you at all i don't know what belichick has said in press conferences and we're not going to talk about the dolphins now we're going to do it later but like what if belichick is there a chance that belichick rests starters midway through the game like depending on the score of the bills jets game like there's a lot of that going on like the bucks the bucks are a great candidate to do that the bucks are 100 percent a candidate to midway through the game to say yeah fuck it tom just go back to the bench so that's why like we just don't really know like uncertainty is exciting in a way but it's also you know unclear so that that's the weirdness about this week browns Bengals. uh i don't know man no one watched this game watch it if you're a browns or a bagels fan but otherwise like they're better options man don't watch this game exactly and uh, what was the next game you had on your docket mine is titans texans i don't know what oh, you had mine was football team giants which was the oh. first ever game <laughs> primetime game of this past season but um we, you know what? I we'll just skip through these next two because there's two more, and then Titans, Texans. Look, football team, Giants. Uh, give me football team and give me football team to cover. Look, the Giants are the Giants are a fucking mess. I don't know how to put it politely. Uh, I think Dave Gelman's definitely getting fired. Probably. Usually it's Black Monday, but it's Black Sunday night now. I think during the Sunday night game, you're going to be hearing news of certain guys getting let go. It was. <laughs> I can't imagine your mind when I'm saying, unlike a game with stakes, like the next game we're going to talk about, and you see football team and Giants. <laughs> and you're like, what? What is this? Well, stakes, stakes for Joe Judge, maybe. Uh, the, the, the rumor is, Mike, so Mike Florio went on Rich Eisen's show, and Mike Florio said, despite what was reported to the press, he gets the sense that Joe Judge does not have full certainty that he's coming back. Um, like he thinks that's why Joe judge went on that rant about, uh, if, if no one's watched it, you really need to look it up about there's no more guys putting golf clubs in their locker. There's guys that are begging me to come back to the team. And as Mike Florio said on the show with Rich Eisen, he basically admitted to tampering. <laughs> like he's, he's straight up admitted to tampering. And, uh, and the rumor is that Isaiah Wilson, their offensive lineman that they cut, like had his golf bags in the giants locker room this year, um, in preparation for the off season. It it's ugly. It looks like the team has quit. And if Joe Judge is going to get fired, it's going to probably be because they just get absolutely like destroyed in this game. So, yeah, I would agree with football team on the points if I if I had to pick. I think though, if this is more than a two score game, then yeah, I think he's getting fired. And also too, it's also what Dan Orlovsky called uh, him being Timmy Toughnuts, which is something that a coach shouldn't be doing. Uh, I want to point. I know we, I know there's not a lot of talk about this game. Look, it's two teams that are just not good. But uh, I actually sent it to Danny on Monday because we just kind of roast the Giants for fun. Um, where is it? It's a, it was a photo from uh, it's from CBS Sports. I, like I say, folks, i got to go on the fly. Um, oh, I went a little bit past it. I am sorry, folks. Just give me one quick second. Uh, oh, yeah, also, so I don't know if you know this or not, but the Giants have $3 million to spend this offseason, and there's like six players with 50% of their cap. Yeah, it's, and they they spent they have a I, I I didn't know what the exact number is, but they have like an incredibly large percentage of their cap devoted to offense, and they have the worst offense in football. They can't score touchdowns. Like Saquon is one of the highest paid running backs in the league just because of his draft slot alone. Danny Dimes was the sixth overall pick. That's not a cheap contract. Kenny Galladay they gave twenty million dollars to, like. No, almost none of those guys are there for cheap. Shepard is on his second contract, too. Uh, don't know what his average is, but he's making decent money as well. 
Corey Jackson yeah. on the defensive side. Yeah, they they like Leonard Williams and like they they make yeah Shepard signed a four year forty million dollar contract, so he he makes ten million per. So yeah, they, they have a lot of money invested on offense that doesn't produce results. It's it's a sign of a bad organization. Um, so they're for right now the st- so since Joe Judge is there, they rank thirty second in all these categories: points per game sixteen point five nine, yards per game two ninety six point eight, yards per play four point eight five, and red zone efficiency is forty six point two percent. Yeah, and like everyone's just gonna blame Jason Garrett, and maybe that's fair, but we're gonna have to, we're gonna we're gonna need to see Joe Judge's argument is probably gonna be, let me get Danny Dimes. Although I would get rid of him already; it's been three years, so he's had yeah. enough time. But if they bring him back, Joe Judge's oh, argument boy, will be, but... yeah, it, it, Joe Judge will say, give me like give me like sixteen games of of Danny Dimes with a new offensive coordinator that's not Jason Garrett, and if the offense still sucks, then you can fire me. Um, I think the offense will still suck because I don't think Danny Dimes is very good. But, yeah, that's probably his argument. It's for our viewing pleasure and for to keep this podcast alive is why we want him to stay. Um, <laughs> with this next game, Bears and Vikings, um, I know some people were kind of had some blowback to Justin Fields starting. And my only thing to that is I, I think it's good for him to start this game. You know, let, let the rookie get some snaps in, let him get some plays in because obviously he's not going to be playing another game for – seven, eight months after this, depending on what he does in the preseason next year. But um, I still like the Vikings to win this game. Uh, he is not going to start anymore uh, because today he got put on the COVID list. Oh, um, he did. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. It, it happened. It only happened like four hours ago. So, yeah, like I like. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty recent news. Uh, so, yeah, I think Dalton's going to start. <clears throat> um, and, yeah, I mean. uh it's kind of a dead game. Both teams are dead. I uh, it it seems very possible. How many games in NFL history in Week 18 or Week 17 can you remember a game where both coaches got fired when it was over? Because I think that very well could happen here. Not many, but I will give you a fun little note because in 2018, 2020, the Jets and the Patriots played each other in Week 17, and going into both those games, you knew the Jets' head coach was getting fired. So that's my whole thing: is whenever the Jets and the Patriots play. The last week of the regular season, a coach is getting canned. Well, maybe next year that same will be true in the reverse, and Belichick will be the one given the axe. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> if you, um, with some Patriots news for 2022, you should go back and listen to the podcast that they did on Tuesday, actually. We uh, went in some pretty good and realistic insight with the Patriots. I'll speak more on it later. But, yeah, for this game, like I said, it's a nothing game. I'd rather just move on past it. Give me the Vikings to win with Kirk Cousins back, especially if Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. Unless yeah. Nick Foles starts, because that was an underdog spread I got right two weeks ago I was very proud of, was the uh, Bears to cover plus seven and a half against the Seahawks. Yeah, that's a good play. That's a very, very good play. They ended up winning outright. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you. Vikings, on the points, I guess. Like, who cares? Like, they should, they should probably win this game by a touchdown. So, yeah. I also didn't realize until today, or I forgot, that the defensive coordinator is Mike Zimmer's son. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what's his name? Adam Zimmer? Adam Zimmer, and then Clint Kubiak, who I think should also be fired, is their uh, offensive coordinator. And I mean, realistically, like I think they should move on from Kirk Cousins too. I understand he has a lot of guaranteed money this uh, this upcoming year, but at the very least, they to me should be a contender to draft a quarterback in the first round, kind of similar to like what the Ravens did replacing Joe Flacco with Lamar Jackson. Um, they don't. They don't. They're not going to pick that late, but I could see something like that 
where either they use their first round pick or if they don't use their first round pick, trade up in the back end of the first round with your second round pick and get a quarterback then, especially in a quarterback class like this, where there's a lot of quarterbacks, but none of them really project to go very high. Like some of those teams in the middle, kind of like how the Patriots got Mac Jones. Like that's how I could see uh, Kirk getting replaced. I hope at least because I, I, I they, they got they, they can't keep doing this every year. But I got to tell you something, though. Did you see um, who was it? Ryan Wilson's mock draft from CBS Sports. No. Why would he have? Oh, it was horrible. Uh, no, not that. Uh, I'm trying to find it. But he basically he had Evan O'Neill from Alabama, who's still going to go in the top 10 going first. OK. But then he also had like Matt Corral going in the top 10 as well, which I don't think happens. I don't think I think this is going to be like 2013 minus the obscurity. And yeah. um, picks out of the league so soon where you don't see a quarterback go very early. I think, and I also think this could be the year where we get another surprise team taking a quarterback. Like in 2020, that team was the Packers that no one expected uh, to do that. <clears throat> I think uh, something similar could happen here. Like everyone knows about the, everyone knows about the Steelers and everybody knows about the, um, uh, Detroit. I mean, not that not that Detroit and Houston are going to do it because because we don't know if they like any of the quarterbacks high enough. But my my point is we know the general people. We know Panthers, Giants. I mean Panthers, Steelers, Jets, Texans. I mean Texans, Lions, and in my opinion, Giants football team. We know the standard operating procedure. I think we could get a surprise, something something out of left field, like maybe the Browns. I don't know. That wouldn't surprise me. Maybe the Saints. Something like that. That's what I would say. Um, so for his mock draft, he had um, – I, I do fully agree with you, though. I think we're going to see a, a left field team taking a quarterback. Where everyone goes like, okay, what the fuck? Um, so he had Evan Neal first, Hutchinson second, um, E.K. Aquamu from uh, North Carolina State going third, Charles Cross from Mississippi State going fifth, uh, fourth, but then Kayvon Thibodeau going fifth to the Giants, which I, I – if I'm the Giants, you I know they have the two picks that are probably gonna be top ten or at least top I'd say thirteen. You have to go offensive lineman with one of those picks. And then the yeah. soccer was he has the Panthers at six taking Matt Corral. I have a I mean Matt Corral just got hurt in his bowl game, so I have a hard time seeing that. And uh I think the Packers I mean the Panthers are gonna try to get Watson. Now maybe my team gets Watson, but yeah, like we'll we'll have to see how that resolves itself first. Exactly, and then also to the other one is you had Kenny Pickett going to the football team in the top ten, which I just can't see two top ten teams going quarterbacks unless someone trades up. If there's a trade up, you know what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? We can talk draft another day because this draft, I still think there's a, it's a it's a not a what you want draft. It's a need draft. Like you're drafting for need this year. I agree. Um, um, but now next game was stake, uh, which we're getting into now. Uh, well, actually. Green Bay, Detroit. Let's just talk about that one quickly because there's nothing much to say. But yep. I'm gonna take Detroit to cover three and a half. If it was three, I would go Packers. But I think at plus three and a half, I can see this being a field goal game. Yeah, I've got literally nothing to add. None of us know how long. None of us know if Rodgers is gonna play. We don't know how long he's gonna play. I don't think he's gonna play. But it's at least maybe not past like a drive or something. And so, as a result, we, we cannot possibly spend 10 minutes on this game. Like, we just don't it, – it, yeah, there's nothing to talk about. Give me the lines on the points. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, next one, Titans-Texans. Titans at minus 10.5. Uh, looking to avenge that game, too, from a, a couple months ago where the uh, Titans were a huge favorite. 
went in and the uh, Texans beat them. I'm going to say this right now. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think the Titans win this game and get the number one seed, but I don't know about the points. Yeah, I, I would lean slightly towards the points. Um, I think the Texans are going to give a good effort here. I think the Texans have been, let's say it, I think they've been well coached. They're, they've been better than people thought. I think that's fair to say. And hopefully all of you who took them week one in your Survivor League pools, like we talked about on this very podcast, remember, I did too, remember one one of the things I brought up back then was we're sometimes overconfident in our ability to predict like the worst team of all time. I heard that about the 2019 Dolphins. I heard it about the 2017 Jets. I heard it about the 2013 Raiders. Um, And we heard it a lot about the Texans, that this is like the worst team ever. And I think, like, we just overrate, like, our ability to understand that. And I think the Texans are another example of, you know, they may not have a lot of big-name talent, but they got a lot of guys that fight hard, that are experienced, that know what they want to do, that fight. And I think they they showed themselves well this year. And so I think they've been well-coached. I think they've been better than expected. I think David Culley made the right decision to bench Tyrod Taylor for Davis Mills. I was critical of the decision at the time. And I thought he made the right decision because Davis Mills has been an upgrade over the last few weeks. And here's a DVOA stat for you. The Texans defense, we think this is like one of the worst teams in the league, right? Their DVOA on defense out of 32 teams, out of 32 teams, they rank 18th, 18th out of 32 in overall defensive DVOA with uh, your old friend. Well, not your like everyone's old friend, uh, Lovey Smith. And then furthermore, they're 18th in overall DVOA. But here's another stat for you. They are 19th in passing DV, passing defense DVOA. So this is actually like a decent defense. Like you wouldn't expect it with their roster and like everyone views them as one of the worst teams in the league. But their defense is actually okay. They get turnovers. They get stops here and there. Tannehill turned it over four times the first time these two teams played. I came on this podcast at the time, and I said, I think that's the worst game I've ever seen him play. So they played him well. Um, obviously, this week is going to be a different challenge, but it is an NRG stadium. Give me the points. Maybe on a backdoor cover, Titans win by 10 points. Titans win 27 to 17. I like it. Uh, you know what? I, I, I truly I truly like it. I like all the points you made. Um, I hate everyone who goes like, oh, I think David Colley's getting fired. And everyone's like, no. Like, everyone who's like, I feel like, just a general minor wants to say something to say something says that, but then all the football minds go no because for two reasons. One, he's done a better job than people think. They've won what four games? This four year? games, yeah, four games. They they hit they hit their win total, that, which is crazy. Like people thought this team would go zero and seventeen, and they hit their win, Vegas win total. Exactly, and then also too, Lovey Smith has them coaching. Lovey Smith's doing good on defense, and David Culley's going to be back. What I think they're going to do with David Culley is. He'll be their coach until they're ready to contend, and then they'll let him go, and then they'll bring in a you know a proper head coach. Yeah, and I think I think Coley, I, I don't want to say that he was directly told that when they hired him, but I think when they hired him, despite the lies he told the media, I think he knew Deshaun Watson was gone. I think he knew the team was in a, an aggressive rebuild, and and uh, and I think he understands. Like you know, he, he's been around a long time. He understands the deal, and so yeah. Bring him back. Have him be the steward, you know, of this roster. 
you know, they'll they'll kind of be similar. Maybe they'll win an extra game or two. Maybe they'll lose an extra game or two. Who knows? But they'll kind of do something similar. Maybe they'll have a rookie quarterback also. Or maybe it's just more of Davis Mills, either way. Um, let him kind of continue to watch over that team. And then, yeah, I agree with you. Once they, they'll have that season, whether it's next year or the year after, where they're 500, right? They're like 8-9 or 9-8 and eight at the end of the season. And then they spend a lot of money in free agency. And like that, that that's when he's gone. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I still think that is next, like it's 23 and 22. I would still say, I think their, their floor is going to be three wins, but their ceiling is going to be six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, they're in the same division as Jacksonville still, so they swept them this year. Yeah, which is our next game, Indy and Jacksonville. Um, look, there's, I thought this team, I'm like, okay, let's see what they're made of. It's like Atlanta. There's nothing there. Like, I don't know how, but like Trevor Lawrence did not look like the Trevor Lawrence that I saw in Clemson. Uh, I don't exactly know what's going on with head coach. I've said this on this podcast numerous times, but the cons are better at wrestling than they are at football. Um, <laughs> they're just not a good football team. They don't have anyone there. Like I know they've drafted some pieces, but like still, like their offensive line was just getting massacred. Uh, their run game. Like, I love James Robinson as a running back, but they have no one to throw to. Like, when Laquan Treadwell, which is a blast in the past name, getting re- receptions, I'm like, holy crap. Marvin Jones Jr., I think, had one catch. And I still think tra- drafting ETN was a mistake. And here's the other thing, too, with them. I know there was rumors of, oh, hey, they're going to bring in Dabo. I wouldn't be shocked if in a couple weeks they hire a head coach and it's someone that is just not not fit for the job, but it's just it's the wrong guy. Yeah. And uh, they don't make good decisions as an organization, so you would project them to make another bad decision here. Uh, James Robinson tearing his Achilles was just brutal. Like, God, the guy's had such a such a good career so far, such a great story. Like, that was one of the few things you could cling on to. Hey, like, look, what we, look at this diamond in the rough we found. And then two weeks ago, he tears his Achilles. It's just terrible. So having said that, here's a stat for everybody. The Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. I want chaos. What? I'm rooting for chaos this weekend. Sorry to cut you yes. off. Yes. Oh, oh, I'm rooting for big chaos as well. That's what makes the NFL more fun. They are on a six-game losing streak to Jacksonville, including last year when Jacksonville went 1-15 and and the Colts went 11-5. and The Jacksonville's one win was against Indianapolis. So... This is what the Colts do. They lose in Jacksonville. The spread is ridiculous. It is 16 and a half points. I've, there's kind of a rule in the Vegas betting markets. If you bet on a team to not cover when they need to win, it's surprisingly profitable, like for whatever reason. Like even if the Colts win, history says they won't cover. So I'm going to take the Jaguars plus 16 and a half points to cover the spread. The Colts will win, I think. The Colts will make the playoffs. I'm hoping they don't, and chaos ensues. But uh, give me the Jaguars on 16-and-a-half-point spread. I want to see them win, too, just because also that plan of them dressing up like clowns and, you know, the whole Trent Balfe stuff. <laughs> like, Balfe thing. And, I, and with a Shad Khan mustache, like, I just want chaos. I'm, I'm with you. I'm going Jacksonville to cover, but ultimately I'm going to pick the Colts to win because we're smart football men here. Um, next game, though, we have another big spread. Jets at Bills. I, it pains me to say this because I'm rooting for the opposite. 
Bills win, Jets cover 16 points, though. I don't yeah. Think, can I just say one more thing? Go for it. I just can't see Salah, like, you know, going into this meaningless game and being like, guys, like, we're just going to lay down and, like, let them whoop us. I just can't. I know last time they played it was a whooping. I, I can see a world where the Bills make it hard on them, especially if you're considering Zach Wilson's playing a lot better and Michael LaFleur has really become a good defensive uh, – not defensive, excuse me. He's been, he's been a pretty good offensive coordinator down yeah. the track. Yeah, he has. Even Danny admitted as much when he was on the podcast with us that uh, he's done a lot better over the course of the year. Um, yeah, and like uh, for those for those that don't know in the Jaguars thing, yeah, like Jaguars fans are wearing clown a clown suit with a mustache to mock uh, Shad Khan for not firing Trent Baalke because they think Trent Baalke being around will prevent them from getting a better head coach. It's it's a hilarious story. Like it's been talked about in press conferences. It's very legit. The fan base is very committed to this act of protest. So I'll be interested to see that on Sunday. And for this game, yeah, I, even though it's an important game, I don't really have anything to really to say. I think it's a division game late season. I think the Jets will fight. I think the Bills will probably win, but not cover. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just pretty straightforward. There's just not a whole lot to say. Exactly. There's just not a lot to say. Um, this game at 425 at first was kind of shocking because like, I was like, okay, why? But then I kind of understood it when the, obviously, and we'll get into it in a few games from now, but with, uh, with our guys playing. So it's kind of like that battle for the division. So we'll see, but yeah, like for as much as, uh, for as much as, as for much as I'd love to see them lose, uh, I'm, I'm going bills. Same. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going Bills. I'm just going to play it safe, go for the Buffalo Bills. Like, look, it sucks. But at the same time, too, if that were to happen, I'm really going to hope for that to happen if the Bengals do lose because I'd rather go to Cincinnati and play them in the playoffs over the Buffalo Bills because you know the Buffalo Bills are going to be looking for blood against New England. Meanwhile, I'd rather avoid that matchup wildcard weekend. And also, here's the other kicker with that, too. I want to avoid that matchup wildcard weekend because I do not want to be that Monday night game. I know it's going to be great, but I'd rather not give a shit about who wins that game. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you on that. And uh, the Bengals, I think you'd rather play Cincinnati too. They've never, Cincinnati's never been to the playoffs. Those players haven't been in that moment. You know, the Patriots still have a lot of players, especially defensively, that have. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with you. You would rather play Cincinnati over Buffalo. And in general, you just don't want to play the division team. The division team knows you well. Anything can happen. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're, you're in the right spot there. I just think so too. Like, like I said, for as much as it pains me to pick them, like I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be the smart football guy here. I'm not gonna, I don't want to say something where it's like, you know, yeah, this is gonna happen. This is gonna be this. Or in reality, I know that's not the case. Um, next game, I'm gonna talk about this one now just to get it out of the way. And it's Seahawks Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals win, cover. I don't know, but I'm gonna say this too. This is Russell Wilson's last game in a Seahawks uniform. This is the game that I have the hardest time predicting, believe it or not. Like, I just don't know. Um, yeah, I just don't know. Uh, I think the Seahawks could show some fight here. Um, I think the Cardinals kind of – it wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks win in an upset, especially if, like, San Fran's losing at halftime and Arizona knows they can't win the division. Um, wouldn't surprise me if Seahawks, like, kind of battle back and try, but – uh, yeah, I just don't have a good read on this game. I'm going to take Seahawks plus six and a half and just leave it at that. I'll take them to cover the spread. You know what? I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you in the sense of like, look, I can see them covering. I'm still going to go Arizona because I feel like Arizona is still playing for rankings where they have something to play for where it's not like they're locked into anything. That's all. Yeah, I get it. 
Makes sense. And then same thing too. I don't. This is this game right here. Like Panthers at box. I don't get why it's a four twenty five kickoff. This should be in the one o'clock window. Uh, give me the Buccaneers to cover eight points. Look, the fact that they almost lost last week, we can see. Like, I'm gonna get. You're gonna hate me for this, but Patriots Buccaneers. Patriots covered it one by two, and then the next week they obliterated you guys at home. I can see the same thing happening. Really, they just obliterate the Panthers. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was that was a rough one. Um, yeah, my my only, I, I certainly no one in 2021 should be picking the Panthers to win a football game. Like they they have to show it to you. I guess it's 2022 now, but you get the point. They have to show it to you. They do not deserve your trust. This team is on like a six game losing streak. Like they're falling apart. As bad as I've seen from any team in a very long time. Um, but <clears throat> either way, uh, you cannot you cannot predict the Panthers to lose. Actually, is it seven games? No, it's six. Yeah, it's a six-game losing streak. Um, so, yeah, you definitely cannot predict uh, the Panthers to win a game. Um, I think the – I just don't know how much Brady's going to play, and that's part of this. Like, if I knew Brady was playing the whole game, this would, yes, like, minus eight, no doubt about it. Uh, I just need to know how much he's going to play. So – I'm going to stay away from this game. Bucks win. If Brady is not going to play the whole game, if we get information on that before the game, then I think the spread is more up for debate. But yeah, that's all. I think just because, like, you know how we were saying with Dallas, how like proceeding, I think the Cal- the Buccaneers are going to want to get the two seed. So you know what? You have as many games as you can go through Raymond James. So for that, I'm still going to think he plays most of the game. But it wouldn't, this game wouldn't shock me. Do you remember the Lions game last year where they were up huge at half and he didn't play at all in the second half? Yeah, yeah. I can I see the that. same thing happening, you know, where he just plays the first half and then you realize it, hey, I'm up, Blaine, go take over. Yep, yep, that makes sense. And Mike, Mike Florio said that uh, Matt Rule's seat is more in danger than people think. And so, per usual, like, like what you said about Joe Judge, it's like if a coach gets fired, they almost always get destroyed their last game of the season. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Oh, uh, Danny and I have been on that train hard where we, thought, where we think uh, – Matt Rule's getting canned. I just think, look, that's that was a huge like David Tepper's just a very eager owner. Like he's got a lot of money, but the fact that he threw if he threw seven million at Matt Rule and then he's got to fire him after two years, that I think that looks really bad on the organization as a whole. It does, and uh, you know you got to feel for him. Like he has not had he has not had good quarterback play this year at, at all, which is not his fault. Although maybe it is, maybe he pushed for Sam Darnold. I, I don't, I don't know the full story um, because he did, he did, he did. People forget he did almost become the head coach of the Jets when Darnold was there. So maybe he like really wanted Darnold for that reason. Um, so if that's the case, then yeah, that that's his fault and he deserves to be fired. Uh, but yeah, it's it's complicated because his, I mean, God, like him firing Joe Brady in the bye week, it just seemed desperate. It seemed like an overreaction. You say you say the Dolphins ended the Ravens season. The Dolphins ended the Panthers season. The Dolphins 100% destroyed that team. Like Cam Cam played well against the football team. The Dolphins were underdogs in that game. People forget Panthers were favored by two and a half, and the Dolphins just destroyed their season. It got Joe Brady fired. Their offense fell apart. So, yeah, maybe maybe this is one of those things where even if nothing is really his fault, he just hasn't really helped, and. It doesn't seem like a guy whose players like him. So maybe that's reason enough to move on. We'll see. And, and yeah, and then obviously quickly with the Antonio Brown stuff because I'm seeing more and more of it online. Um, so apparently there was a rumor that he had a girl that he snuck, like he snuck some girls. <laughs> yeah. 
a Saturday night. Them. And yeah, she's going off on Instagram. She posted a positive COVID test. Uh, she had a lawyer from Brown contact her and apparently offer. She got offered ten grand to stay quiet. And then Antonio Brown uh, called her. Her name. Uh, I gotta look. I gotta look up her Instagram. It's Ava Louise. For anyone who's wondering, I gotta. I gotta look this up more just to go and see like what exactly is going on here because shit's getting a little intense. She is verified. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, he snuck a woman in the room the night before the meltdown. She said in that um, positive test tweet, though, at Buccaneers, test your team. Uh, she posted another photo of herself in a box hat saying, who likes my hat? Uh, and then apparently she has another song that says, what AB explained, called Puff Bar Pussy. Um, in case you're wondering the tr- this, wondering if it's truth, which is understandable, um, Daily Mail could not run legally if it wasn't, and because of my friend Jeffrey Kanye credibility, this was heavily vetted and confirmed by editors. Um, and then the league office has declined comment on whether if they are looking at allegations that he smuggled her into the hotel room. And uh, she also tagged Tom Brady, saying, "Wish you snuck me in instead. Don't be mad at me, babe." And then the last time too uh, from the New York Post was uh, the Post was also hesitant, but also confirmed confirmation was 100% zero deniability so they also ran their story enough evidence was provided apparently they had, she had a text with the post saying unfortunately at this point no my editors are hesitant based on your recent Kanye story I'm digging digging in but to the to this point have yet to come up with enough evidence co- to convince them that the story is real so this is developing and this is fucking nuts it's getting crazier by the day like that's just kind of the AB experience like things just get all out of whack, man. Like it's it's strange. It's disorienting. It's it's weird to think about. Very very strange. An onion where you just peel a layer back at a time. Um, up next, we have uh, Niners Rams. Uh, Rams are favored by four and a half points. I'm I'm gonna say this quickly, and obviously, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but I live with a couple of Saints fans, my dad and my sister. Yeah. So for yeah. this purpose, and this also spoils another game. I'm gonna go Rams to win, but. Niners to cover four and a half. I can see like a field goal game, like not field goals like like a like a twelve to nine game, but I can see it being like a let's call it thirty one to twenty eight. I think the Niners are going to win. I do not feel super confident about that. I think that's why I'm kind of clinging on to the Seahawks winning because, and this gets me in trouble. Week eighteen, I think about football in terms of like what I think is fair, and what I think is fair is I think it's fair for the Rams to win the division. Uh, For the Rams to win the division, uh, because I think they've been the best team in that division. But I also think it's fair for the Niners to make the playoffs over the Saints, because I think the Niners have been the better team, with all due respect to your family. I think the Niners have been the better team. Here's one last uh, DVOA numbers for you. In terms of overall DVOA, so not just offense or defense, overall DVOA, the San Francisco 49ers... Rank fifth in the entire NFL. Fifth. DVOA says this is the fifth best team in football. Only behind the Bucks, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. The San Francisco 49ers are fifth in DVOA. So, uh, oh, wait. I was actually reading the offense numbers, not the overall numbers. My bad. My bad, everyone. Basically cut out the last... 10 minutes of this conversation, but it won't change that much. Yeah, it won't change that much. So they have the fifth offense DVOA, fifth offense of 32 teams. Overall, they're seventh. They're the seventh best team in football. 
behind the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Bills, the Patriots, the Rams, and the Chiefs. They're the seventh best team in football. So I think they deserve to be in the playoffs. By the way, the Saints are 14th in DVOA. The Saints have the fourth-ranked defense, but the 24th-ranked offense. The Niners have the fifth-ranked offense and the eighth-ranked defense. So I think the Niners deserve it more, but I think the Rams should win the division. So in my just-world hypothesis, here's the reality I've constructed. The Niners beat the Rams, but the Seahawks beat the Cardinals. So the Niners make the playoffs, but the Rams still win the division. That is my hypothesis that I'm presenting to you. Look, the logical pick I'm going to go with, like, like if I'm picking logically, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with my, like my pick, obviously, just because of family yeah. and everything like that. I do think the Niners, there's a very good chance that they win this game, but at the same time, too, it wouldn't shock me to see LA, you know what, get the monkey off their back, win the division, go into the playoffs as I think either the two or three seed. I'm just saying, I'm picking with my heart. That's all. And, and by the way, like, as a Dolphins fan, the Niners pick is our pick. So, I really need the Niners to not make the playoffs because if they make the playoffs and if God forbid they win a playoff game, our pick just gets worse and worse and worse. So I'm definitely rooting for the Niners to lose here. I'm just also acknowledging what I think is fair. I should, uh, last two comments I'll say. Uh, the Niners own this rivalry. Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan has won his last five straight games against Sean McVay. This includes the 2020 season where the Niners went 6-10. and 10. They still swept the Rams that year, last year. And they beat the Rams earlier this year on Monday Night Football. They have owned this rivalry. Everybody knows about the triangle in the NFC West. The Seahawks always beat the 49ers. The 49ers always beat the Rams. And the Rams always beat the Seahawks. So that's another reason why I think San Fran's going to win. Matt Stafford has seven interceptions in his last three games. Uh, He's looking like Greg Rosenthal for NFL.com wrote, you know, he does kind of look like Detroit Matt Stafford. And that's not a bad thing. That doesn't have to be a bad thing in any way. So I, uh, I think the Niners are going to win, but I'm not, look, it, the Rams are the better team. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rams beat them at home either. So yeah, we can, we can move on to the next game. Which is Saints and Falcons. And I'm going to go, I'm still going to go Saints. It's just, I feel like this could be that game where I don't want the Saints to totally give up if they're still like winning or, you know, like if you know if they're winning, like take the foot off the gas, I think, you know what, go out there and win. But I do know Saints, I guess from what I've heard from my dad and apparently Saints fans, they would still love to make the playoffs, but at the same time, too, they know they don't have the team to go far. So, you know what, I feel like if they do miss, I think they see it, you know, it's not the end of the world. They can kind of, this is the whole thing, though, for them, is how are they going to rebound, deal with their cap situation again? Because obviously we know, look, Mickey Loomis, cap wizard. It's going to be interesting to see, but at the same time, too, it's going to be very, like, to go there. And then with Atlanta... I think you, you got to burn it down. I, honestly, I think you have uh, Terry Fontenot, you have Arthur Smith. I think even if they have a bad year next year, there is job security there. I think they're a team to do what the Ravens did in 2018. You know, you draft a quarterback, maybe back into the first round, you t- trade back up, or in the second round, you grab someone, and then slowly they overtake Matt Ryan's job. Plus two, I think that... Calvin Ridley is out. I don't know if you saw that report today. I did. I did. Yeah. That he, that he's going to, that he and the Falcons are going to come to a mutual parting of ways. Yeah. So then I think, I think, uh, I think there's going to be a, t- a Super Bowl team out there or a team that's a fringe contender that's going to pick him up and they're going to just ride with him. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to go Saints to win this game. But Saints Falcons games are super weird. They're either very, very close or someone's getting blown out. And in this case, 
I think the Falcons are still going to give them a bit of a fight, but at the end, I think it's going to be too much. So I'm, I got so my phone went off. I'm going to go with the Saints to cover the three and a half points. I'm going to go 24 to 20. I have a very similar score. I'm picking the Saints to win, Falcons to cover. Uh, my goal, because on my book, it's four and a half. And I would definitely take, I would definitely take four and a half because – it, the Saints are either going to win by three or they're going to win by four. Uh, maybe there's sometimes they win by seven. But, yeah, to your point, the Falcons Falcons and Saints fans hate each other. Like, this is a legitimate rivalry. Like, the, this is in Atlanta. I think everyone's going to get up for this game. Everyone's going to want to knock the Saints out of the playoffs. So, uh, I think the Saints – I think Falcons fans are going to be – they're going to rise up, so to speak. And uh, I think the Saints – I think the Saints win, but to your point, I think it's a field goal game or something like that. So if you get four and a half, take the Falcons. If you get three and a half, probably take the Saints, but it's close. So, yeah. I completely agree with you. And now we're on to the game why I know all of you came here and figure out why I had you on. Well, uh, well do you want to do you want to do Sunday night first since uh, it's the like leave that one for the main event or what okay. do you want to do? You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, let's let's do Sunday night football first uh, for the main. Uh, we'll save the best for last. How about that? Fair enough. Chargers, uh, Raiders. Yeah. Can, I, can I just say my bit quickly, and I'll let you go? Sure. No, no. Say whatever you want. Yeah. If the Raiders do win this game, I think Rich Bisaki is. I still just don't see it being his head coach next year, but. I want to give him all the props in the world for the crap, not the crap, but for all the off-field stuff this organization has been through within the last three months. You lose your head coach. Your star receiver has a tragic, tragic drunk driving accident that killed someone. And they still manage to be in this spot, usually when they're, at this point, this game for them is meaningless and they've spiraled completely out of control, but they're still fighting. They're still going hard. But at the end of the day... Look, they're playing the Chargers. Both teams usually at this point give up a big game. Do I see this game high scoring? You know what? I'm going to say – I was going to say no, but I'm going to lean towards yes because I even remember last year that game on Christmas where Danny was ahead. It was our Christmas show. Danny was ahead. You were behind, and you had huge fantasy implications on the game, and the Chargers won, I think, 33-30 to 30 in overtime or 33-27. to 27. So I can see a similar score – and I know I just pumped the Raiders' tires a lot, and I'm sorry to say this, Raiders Nation, but give me the Chargers to win 28-21. to 21. I just think at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I'm going to trust Justin Herbert more than Derek Carr. I remember that game last year. Uh, I had Keenan Allen in my semifinal, and if, if you all don't remember, it was Thursday Night Football, and Keenan Allen was like not supposed to play. But then the day of the game, he said he was going to give it a go, see how he felt in warm-ups. And so he did warm-ups, and then he said, all right, I'm going to play. Let's do this. And he got, like, two catches and had two points. And I was so pissed because I and many other people started him because when Keenan Allen says he's going to play, you got to play him. And he ended up being on a pitch count and only got a few catches. It was so fucking annoying. Uh, so that was my Chargers-Raiders experience last year. Uh yeah, I'm going to sound like a total fucking hypocrite because I said earlier I view playoffs in the just world theory of just I want the best teams to make it. And certainly the Chargers have been the better team. The Chargers beat them early in the year. The Chargers offense is elite. The Chargers in total DVOA are 11th 
The Las Vegas Raiders are 21st, 11th and 21st. By every available data point that I have, the Chargers are the better team. The Chargers need to win this game. I'm just saying. I don't know, Griff. I don't know why. Maybe because it's Sunday night football. I think that crowd is going to be riled up. I think it's going to be very emotional because I think all those players, it's not just making the playoffs. It's like making the playoffs after what happened with Gruden, what happened with Henry Ruggs. I think it's just going to be in a very, very, very emotional effort. And I don't know. I got a weird feeling the Raiders win this game and the Raiders make the playoffs. But I, I can't I can't give you any fo- – I can't disagree with any of Griff's football. Like his football analysis is correct. I like there's I just read you the DVOA stats earlier in this same exact podcast. I was saying I think the the, the Niners are going to beat the Rams and the Seahawks are going to beat the Cardinals just because I think that's what's fair because that gets all the best teams in the playoffs. And certainly the Chargers are the better team. Certainly the Chargers defense um, has been really their Chargers defense is te- is they're a worse run defense than they are a pass defense. And while Josh Jacobs is good, like you're more concerned with with Hunter Renfro. And there were rumors that Darren Waller was going to come back for this game. I don't know if that ended up being true or not. I don't know if we've seen any report on that yet. Uh, but that was the rumor that Waller might come back. So, but like the the Chargers, def- their run defense is the worst run defense in the league. And I'm not that concerned about the Raiders run offense to take advantage of that. And I think Justin Herbert can light up this Raiders defense, even though their defense there, we should give Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe some love. They've had a very good year. Max Crosby made the pro bowl deservingly. Um, so like their defense is not, their defense is definitely not the laughing stock that it's been in prior years. Cause they actually get some good, they actually have a good pass rush this year as opposed to prior years. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just being a pro wrestling fan, but like Vegas, the crowd, the emotion of everything they've been through. For whatever reason, I think it's going to be like week one, Raiders, Ravens, where the Raiders look like the worst team the entire game. And then they just kind of emotionally win the game in overtime when they're not supposed to. I think I just kind of have a similar feeling here. So, yeah, for completely pro wrestling and storytelling reasons and not actual football, give me the Raiders. You know what? I, I I I love it. I can see the Raiders winning, just being that super emotional win. That like, and you know what? I can see them like, say if they get into the seventh seed. I know yeah. they got killed by them twice, but the Chiefs are the. I I've been saying this, and I was saving this take for the podcast. It would not shock me to see the Kansas City Chiefs lose in the wild card round. Yeah. No. I mean they've 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 had stretches where their offenses look terrible. They've had stretches where their defenses look terrible. Their floor, their floor is pretty low. Their ceiling is as high as anybody in football. It's winning the Super Bowl, but their floor, their floor is pretty low. No doubt about that. Can I add one point with this, what, uh, what I could see Kansas City doing in the playoffs though? Go for it. Their season this year has kind of reminded me of what the Seattle Seahawks were last year. And you know how the Seattle Seahawks lost, like they looked bad in the wild card round against there. Now I'm not saying that next year, the, um, Chiefs are going to be on the playoff picture on the on the outside looking into the playoffs. No, I think they're they're going to be in the playoffs every year. I'm just saying, and also I'm going to say this too. I think the Chiefs losing in the playoffs before the championship game is better for them than making it all those years. Because look, if you even if you make it, you're always going to have those expectations. Look at them this year when they were three and four, and no one had anything to say with them, and then they won't rang off seven in a row. I'm just yeah, saying. 
losing does losing is not always a bad thing. Yep, don't don't disagree. Curious, curious to see what they do next week. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, to everyone listening, the Chargers probably will win, but. Yeah, I'm giving you the the storytelling aesthetic on the Raiders. <laughs> and that's all I got for you. And then, yeah, sh- hopefully it should be a fun game. More than anything, it's Sunday night. Last year's Sunday night game was a disaster with the Eagles tanking against the Washington football team. Hopefully they make it up to us because normally this is one of my favorite games of the year. Um, you know, like the last regular season game, all the playoff stakes on the line. We know the whole playoff picture. I usually look forward to this game. And like like Seahawks San Francisco two years ago when Dre Greenlaw tackled uh, Jacob Hollister short of the goal line I actually have a I actually have a picture of that on my laptop a screenshot of that tackle of that tackle that I keep with me just because I love that place so much so hopefully we get a good game more than anything that's that's my only hope look I just want a good game Sunday night I, I want a good high scoring game that's what I want but anyway now the reason why you're here. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you speak for this one. I'm gonna uh, give my uh, win. Dolphins plus six and a half. Yeah, that seems fair and reasonable. Um, uh, let me here. Let me just kind of summarize like my usual ten minute dolphin soliloquy, but I'll summarize it more succinctly here. Um, I just want to convey to the viewers this game matters this game matters a lot for the Dolphins it's easy to think that it doesn't for people out there because they got eliminated from the playoffs I think this game is very important for Tua Tonga-Vailoa I think this game is very important for Brian Flores I think this game is very important for Chris Greer the Dolphins can either go nine and eight or eight and nine and most Dolphin fans agree the tone of the season seems completely different depending on the result of this game like if they go nine and eight it becomes, okay, you were a good team. You had the seven-game winning streak. They dominated all those teams that they beat. That's what drives me crazy. It's like, yes, they beat a bunch of bad quarterbacks. Almost none of those games were close. Almost all of those games they won by double digits. Like, yes, the Jets game was the exception. But the first Jets game, they were had they had a 10-point lead until the Jets kicked a field goal at the end and, took, and didn't recover the onside kick to narrow it to seven. And the second Jets game... The Dolphins were clearly the better team in the second half. Tua threw a terrible pick six, and then he threw a touch. And then he threw a touchdown pass the very next drive um, to make it a seven-point win. But yeah, like they destroyed those teams. They destroyed the Panthers. They destroyed the Saints. They beat up on the Giants pretty good. Like they destroyed the the Ravens on Thursday night football. Destroyed is probably a loose term, but they beat the Ravens pretty solidly on Thursday night football. So they none of those games they they did not squeak by. Like. The Bills, I mean the 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 Bengals and the the Bengals and the Titans lost to the Jets outright. The Bucks struggled with the Jets until they stole the game in the fourth quarter. And yet the Dolphins beat them twice, and everyone just laughs at them like, "Oh, look how stupid and terrible this team is." I think they're a good team. The story I tell myself is they're a good team. They had a lot of really bad injuries early in the season. Obviously, they lost two for four games. And they lost Xavier Howard and Byron Jones when they lost to the Jaguars. And that's a big deal because kind of like we said earlier on the Ravens game, when you lose your elite cornerbacks, you either stop blitzing and play a defensive style that is unfamiliar to all your players, or you keep blitzing but rely with bad cornerbacks to recover for you. So the Ravens chose the latter. They decided to keep blitzing with their backup cornerbacks and their backup cornerbacks got torched. The Dolphins did the former in that Jaguars game in London. They played a lot of zone They did not blitz all that often against Trevor Lawrence. 
They played a lot of zone. They tried to confuse him with coverage looks. They were trying to protect their cornerbacks because they knew without Byron Jones or Xavier Howard, they couldn't play the way they normally play. And I think if even one of those guys was healthy, if even one of those guys was healthy, they would have stuck to the scheme they've stuck with all year. And then we would have had a different result, but they didn't. The Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence had their best game of the season against the Dolphins that, that week. Um, if, if I if I remember correctly, and I'd have to look this up to check, I believe that is the most amount of points the Jacksonville Jaguars have scored all season. Uh, certainly, certainly up there. I'm looking through it now, and uh, yeah, that that uh, that checks out. That actually, they scored 23 points against us. They scored 21 points against the 21 points against the against the the, the Bengals on that Thursday night game that they almost won. So, yeah, they had basically their best offensive performance against the Miami Dolphins. So the story I tell myself is they were injured with Tua. They lost all those games with Tua. Like, there's a good point that's often made in South Florida media. We get no credit for beating backup quarterbacks, right? Because they're backup quarterbacks. They suck. Who cares if you beat Cam Newton, even though the Panthers were favored in that game? Who cares if you beat Mike Lennon? Who cares if you beat Ian Book? Even though the Dolphins were only three-point favorites after Book was declared the starter. After Book was declared the starter, they were still only three-point favorites. There was They were not plus 15 in that game or minus 15 in that game. Like, everyone acts. Like, oh, it was obvious we would have blown out the Saints this whole time. Bullshit. Bullshit. I don't buy that for a second. They were only three-point favorites. A lot of people didn't see it that way. So, this uh, – why do the Dolphins get no credit for beating backup quarterbacks? But when they lose with their backup quarterback, they get all the blame. When they start the season one and four and they lose four games with Jacoby Brissett, they don't get any slack for that. Like if apparently beating backup quarterbacks is so easy and so meaningless, then why do the Dolphins not get any slack for losing four games with their backup quarterback? You can't have it both ways. The Dolphins' four losses can't all count with their backup, but then all their wins against backup quarterbacks are meaningless. That doesn't make any sense to me. So – I think this is a good team. I think they were fucked with injuries. They were unlucky in close games. They were like one and three in close games early in the season. They they could have beaten the Raiders. They could have beaten the Jaguars. They could have beaten the Falcons. Those were all nail-biter games, nail-biter games, all three of them. And instead of going one and two in those games or two and one, the Dolphins went 0 oh and three. And I think that's just bad luck in close games. I don't think that really means anything. So I think this is a good team. They didn't look like it on Sunday, obviously. They play a lot better at home, so I do think being in Hard Rock does matter. I think the fans are going to get up for this game. Playing New England is always fun. There's a lot of New England fans that go to that stadium every year. As you know, Griff, no one wants to live in that part of the country uh, at this time of the year. I know, I know you, you're, you're north of the border, but nonetheless, like you can understand. You probably have talked to many of Patriots fans who are not like loving life in December and January, and so they all want to be down here in sunny Florida. And uh, so I, I think the the Dolphins fans are going to get up for this game, but it really does feel like the tone of the season changes. And let me tell you, if they quit, if they quit and they lose like 30 to seven, because we know, we know the Patriots are going to play their starters. I don't know if Bill has addressed, maybe you can correct me. I don't know if he's addressed whether they play the whole game or not. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I would presume so because they could still win the division if the Bills lose. But yeah, I, I, um, the tone if they get if they quit if they quit and they lose thirty to seven and Dolphin fans are worried about this because we've seen this story before the third year of Adam Gase the Miami miracle happens right great awesome incredible win 
the next week they go play the Vikings in Minnesota. And if they win that game, they, they really have a good chance of keeping their playoff street hopes alive. They go to the, they go to Minnesota, they get killed. They get killed in Minnesota. Very similar to how they lost to the Titans 40 to 17, like got beat up physically and all that stuff. The next week they played the Jaguars at home. They weren't, they weren't even eliminated from the playoffs then, but it was just like, it was just like pretty unlikely largely. Um, they go home against the Jaguars, a Jaguars team that had lost like seven straight games and they lost by double digits. They lost 17 to seven. And then the last week of the season at Buffalo, they got destroyed. The players quit on Adam Gase and Adam Gase got fired. And so if they quit and if they lose 30 to seven, I just think there could be changes coming. You know, we've seen that rumor about Jim Harbaugh wanting to come back to the NFL to those who don't know the history Stephen Ross tried to recruit Jim Harbaugh in 2011 while Tony Sperano was still the Dolphins coach. He literally flew with Jeff Ireland to interview Jim Harbaugh at Stanford before he fired Tony Sperano. Like he, he was trying to, he was actively recruiting Harbaugh. Harbaugh is the head coach at Michigan. Steve Ross is like the main donor at Michigan. He's basically Jim Harbaugh's boss. It's called the Ross school of business. Like Steve Ross loves Jim Harbaugh. And if Jim Harbaugh is serious about coming to the NFL, I think Steve Ross is going to be very, very tempted to make sure that he at least comes to play for his team. And I'm not saying Brian Flores is on the hot seat. I don't think so. I think more likely than not, the Dolphins either lose this game close or they win and Brian Flores comes back. By all accounts, like he had a seven-game win streak. By all accounts, that's what's going to happen. But if they get destroyed – they get destroyed at home in front of their home fans. I don't know. I really don't know. Because Harbaugh is like the one guy I think he would fire Brian Flores for. So that is something to watch. So I do think I this I haven't mentioned him a whole lot, but obviously this game matters for Tua. You know, he played terrible last week. I'll be the first one to tell you. I'll be the first one to tell you he hasn't played that well the last few weeks. Now, where we differ is I don't think that defines his whole season. I think if you look at his whole season and a lot of the statistics, he ranks as about the 19th best quarterback in the NFL right now, which I think is reasonable. That makes sense to me. And I think that's encouraging. He improved from year one to year two. I think he's already better than guys like Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. Those guys got three years with their teams. Two is already better than both of them in only 20 games started. So I'm not saying 19th quarterback in the NFL is where you want to be, but I think it's a starting point. I think it's a building block. I don't think he's a finished product. I think he can get better and improve with time. So I think he's done enough to give himself more time to give himself another year. It'll bother me if they get rid of him so quickly because I just see so many bad quarterbacks around the league keep getting chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. Like Baker Mayfield, his second year in the league, was far worse than Tua. He led the league in interceptions. He was horrible. He got a third year, and he actually played pretty well his third year. And then he was terrible again this year after he got hurt. But it would annoy me, not just as a Dolphins fan, but as a fan of the Tua, having followed his career for so long, it would annoy me that he doesn't get a real fair chance, that he doesn't get as much time as these other terrible quarterbacks around the league that I watch every Sunday who keep getting multiple chances. Like, it would annoy me if he doesn't get that similar grace offered to him. Um, we're going to find out in this game, do the players want to play for Brian Flores? Do the players want to play for Tua? Because the players aren't stupid. Everything I just told you, they know as well. 
They see it on a day-to-day basis. The Deshaun Watson rumors already started up again here in South Florida. Like, not even from any national sources. Like, there's no info whatsoever. It's just, it's a natural conversation point. They got eliminated from the playoffs. Now it's time to talk about the Watson thing again. I don't want to talk about the Watson thing on this show. I find the conversation exhausting. I've talked about it a million times. Like, when actual news is going down in January, February, and March, I'm happy to talk about it again then. But I don't want to talk about it now. Nothing's really changed. It's the same old, same old. Yes, as a football player, I recognize it is very likely that Tua will never be as good as Deshaun Watson is. I have never denied that. I understand that. Like, the baggage is too much to deal with. It's a non-starter for me. I don't want I don't want him. I don't want him no matter what. Would I trade Tua for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I would. Because Rodgers would probably get you to a Super Bowl, like, right now. Would I trade Tua for Russell Wilson? No, I would not. Because Russell Wilson costs you $40 million. And at some point... Russell Wilson's bad games have to start counting against him because he's had like 18 straight games where he's looked more like a middle of the pack quarterback than an elite quarterback. And I'm not saying he's washed. I'm not saying any of that, but maybe we should monitor Cam Newton. Cam Newton declined a lot faster than we thought. And Cam and Russ are only a year apart. Cam was drafted in 2011. Russ was drafted in 2012. Is it possible that Russ is going to be, Still good, but more middle-of-the-pack good, and maybe athletically declines a lot faster than we expect? I don't know, but it's worth wondering. And he's had enough issues with injuries and enough bad games. I think it's interesting to start talking about it. But yes, I pay Tua a rookie contract. I would have to pay Russ $40 million, and I would have to trade first-round picks to get Russ. And I'm not even sure that I'm guaranteed elite quarterback play. No, thank you. I don't want that because – I need the guarantee of elite quarterback play to offset the cap issues and the roster building issues it presents. So if Watson didn't have any of the baggage, then yeah, I can see that he's young. I'm guaranteed elite quarterback play. I can deal with the money. Same with Aaron Rodgers. He's not young, but I can deal with, I know I'm guaranteed elite quarterback play. I'll take it. I'll deal with the roster issues. I won't deal with that with Russ because I don't want to have to complain a year from now. If the team is like the Seahawks and their offensive line isn't that good, and their second receiver is hurt, and Russ can't elevate. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that, especially not when you're paying the quarterback $40 million. So I don't want Russ. I want Rodgers. I don't want Deshaun Watson. That is my official stance on Tua. And I don't think they would replace him for anybody else. I don't see the point in replacing Tua with a Jimmy G. I think they're similar players at this point in Tua's career. Like, I don't see what the point in that is. There's no upside with Jimmy G. There's upside with Tua. Um So this game matters. That was a very long rant. I said I would make it concise, and of course I did not because I never do. And uh, I think I'm scared about this game. I'm really scared that they're going to quit. I'm scared that they're going to quit, get destroyed, and then I'm going to be embarrassed on Sunday again. Um, That really, really scares me because if that happens, that means changes are coming, whether it's Tua, whether it's Flores, whether it's Greer. I promise you if they get destroyed – the Tua Flores Greer triumvirate is not coming back. Whether one of those pieces change, two of those pieces change, three of those pieces change, we'll see. But if they get destroyed, I do not think all three are coming back. And uh, for that reason, I'm concerned. Um, But part of me is just scared as a fan because I'm scared of getting hurt. I think logically from a football perspective, the Dolphins defense plays better at home. Um, The Dolphins... Duke Johnson, it might be like, that's something I would tell you Patriots fans to watch out for. Duke Johnson, Um, you guys probably didn't watch this game, but when the Dolphins played the Jets two weeks ago at home, 
Duke Johnson played college football at the University of Miami. He went to high school at Norland, which is only like 15 minutes away from the Hard Rock Stadium. He's a local Miami hero, a fan favorite. They signed him to the practice squad. He played against the Jets. He had 100 yards and two touchdowns. Danny's probably going to scream that it's a fluke because he played the Jets. Last week against the Titans, he averaged seven yards per carry. He had seven carries for 50 yards, seven yards per carry. When Duke Johnson runs at Hard Rock Stadium, when he was in college, the entire home fans would chant, Duke, in loud unison. And having been to the Jets game a few weeks ago, like, it, it, you could feel it in the stadium. It was energizing. It was uplifting. It, it motivated the team. The entire arena is chanting in unison for their hometown hero. He's certainly going to get up for this game. He's playing for his NFL future. And uh, if he could do something similar to that, I think that could motivate and energize the team if they're down by, like, 14 points and they're shrugging their shoulders, they're starting to get concerned. I think he can uh, kind of supercharge the atmosphere a little bit. So he's someone I would watch for in that game. I think Dolphins cover Patriots win is probably correct. If I'm being objective, the Patriots have been the better team this year. That's what all the metrics say. They've been the better team this year. Kind of like how last year we beat the Patriots in week one. I mean, no, the Patriots beat the Dolphins in week one in 2020. And then in the rematch in December, the Dolphins got the win back, as we say in pro wrestling. That's what it kind of feels like here, um, especially if the Patriots are going to try. Um, I'm going to predict the Dolphins cover because logic tells me they play better at home. It's a division game. They're going to fight. They're going to do what they can. So, yeah, I agree with you in short. But I will say I am worried if they don't fight because if they don't fight, I think a lot of changes are coming. So please, for the love of God, Dolphins, fight. Don't get your asses kicked. That is my rant. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um Ooh, that was a lot to digest. I'm gonna uh, basically. Uh, I'm just gonna. I have something I want to say about the Dolphins. You guys, right now, I feel like you're like the Arizona Cardinals, but a year behind. Yeah. Like you know, this year where it like you know how last year for them it started off hot, but then they cooled down towards the end and stuff. I feel like you guys are the opposite. How look, Tua got hurt at the beginning of the season, so then it was kind of shaky, but then you bounced back. But then there's those couple of key games down the stretch where you needed to win to keep your hopes alive that you lost. But I think next year is the year where you take your leap. My whole thing with you guys, too, is, is look, this is truly the third. This is this, I would only say the second year of the rebuild because 2019 was technically the teardown. And then 2020, look, you guys managed to get some wins you didn't think you did. And then you guys finished 10 and 6 just on the outside looking in. Um, I think the future is bright in Miami. I think it would be wrong to get rid of uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores this year, but I will say this. Uh, yeah. Also, to say this about Matt Rule too. I think for next year, you're going to be in that that uh, Brian Flores is going to be in that you know Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Taylor situation where it's like, okay, it's time to see results or it's time to get out. Meanwhile, Matt Rule, I think he's going to be brought back and he's going to be fired by midseason. Um, I don't have anything else to add to this game. Just for me, look, I just want the Patriots to come out of this game um, not injured. I want them to look good going to the playoffs because I think this game is a true indicator of what Patri- Patriots team we can see in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a big game for them too. And let, let's let's watch Mac Jones a little bit here because, you know, obviously the Jaguars game was like, uh, you know, it's the Jaguars to say the least. Uh but a few weeks before that, the offense was kind of struggling a little bit, at least the passing offense. I know the backs were still playing well. So let, let's keep an eye on that. He played well against this defense in week one. 
is he going to do that again? Like, I, that's that's what I want to see because the Dolphins are going to play. The Dolphins have no injuries this week. Like, all their all their guys are playing. Yeah, I saw, yeah, I know I I saw that too. But that's just that's just my whole thing about Miami. Um, the only other thing I want to ask you quickly. Um, well, um, the only other thing I was going to say before we get to the Natty is the only GM I could see getting fired besides Gettleman is probably Spielman from Minnesota, and not, but Brian Pace is an obvious one. Yeah, I would think I would think those guys should be fired in tandem with their head coach. I, I didn't really get to say it. Like, I think Mike Zimmer is going to be fired, but I think he's a good coach. I think, I think he's he'll get not, a decent job next year. Yeah, and and he he will he's gotten some bad luck with with quarterbacks too. Like, I don't think I think his system and Kirk Cousins playing with so many talented players makes him look better than he is. So maybe he goes the Dan Quinn route. He becomes a DC. He becomes like a rock star DC for somebody, and then the next year he maybe gets a head coaching job. So exactly, exactly. And the only thing I have to say about the national championship, I think. Look, part of me thought we were going to get Michigan, Alabama. We didn't. Look, uh, Cincinnati. I just don't. I think the stage was a little too big for them. And for Michigan, uh, they just didn't seem like they were ready to play. Um. They they couldn't match their physicality either. Like, Aiden Hutchinson's give a shit meter also was at like two. He did not look like he was trying the entire game. They look they look like a team that their Super Bowl was beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten. Like and that this was all like extra credit is what it looked like. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, it's like hey, if you're going to get a ninety on this assignment, but if you do the extra work, you can get a ninety five. And you're like, nah, it's okay. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I'm going to say this though. Uh, I faded Alabama twice this year. I'm not making that same mistake. Uh, I, 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 I got to go Alabama to win, but at the same time, too, I like Georgia plus three. I think this is a very close game. I don't think this is like the SEC championship. I think this is a very close game that comes down to the wire. I, 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 I don't even want to bet spread or money line. I want to do over-under, which I think is a 52. And you know what? If it's 52, give me those points. Give me the points. I think, yeah, I... I said it on the last podcast that I had with you a few weeks back about this before the Dolphins played the Saints. And uh, I'll say it again. I think Georgia wins. I think Georgia avenges their demons and finally beats Bama. I also think it's going to be close. And uh, look, I'm just going by the resumes. I think Georgia's been the better team. Georgia, Alabama struggled with a lot of SEC teams. They struggled with Florida. They struggled with Auburn. They struggled with LSU. They struggled with Arkansas. Georgia didn't really struggle with anybody. They dominated everybody all year long. Now, obviously, Bama blew them out in the title game. I am not trying to be ignorant of that. I very, 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 very much understand that. Um, I think Georgia slays those demons. I think it's hard to beat this Georgia team twice. I think if Georgia loses this game, it's like going to be devastating for them. Like, I just, I don't know how they would recover from it. Like, it, there's only so many times you're going to get this chance. You got to capitalize on them one of those times. So, kind of speaking with my heart here a little bit, but I think Georgia's been the better team. I think Georgia wins the rematch. Would not surprise me at all. It is Nick Saban. It is Alabama if they find a way again. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, one other point I want to say about Michigan, you know what Michigan reminded me of? What? One thing right now, because obviously I saw a Jobo, a Jobo, excuse me, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I believe. Uh, I also got a notification while we were recording uh, from the Athletic that uh, where Daxton Hill was declared for the draft as well. Yeah. Um, the Michigan team right now reminds me of the 2019 Toronto Raptors. Uh, 2019 Toronto Raptors. The, the Kawhi Raptors. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. You know yeah. where like they finally. 
like for years the Raptors were over trying like trying to slay that dragon and winning a championship. They yeah. got close beating Ohio State, but then they never got the job done. But they finally got over those hurdles and won. And then eventually Kawhi left, Danny Green left, and then we haven't been the same since. I think Michigan's going to be like that because I think next year for the Big Ten, I think it's Ohio State's to lose at this point already to say. Yeah, because their 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 best receiver was not any of the guys in the draft. It was Jackson Smith and the Jigba, and he's coming back. And CJ Stroud is coming back, and Michigan's losing a lot of guys. So yeah, I would I would agree with you. But hey, they capital and especially I mean especially if Harbaugh leaves. If Harbaugh leaves, like you know, yeah, yeah like they're definitely gonna take a step back here. Oh, but other takes too though that both games on New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, were better than both semifinals. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that. The semifinals were weak. Hopefully, hopefully this year, I understand everyone's like kind of complaining that it's blowouts every year. It's not always. It's just been kind of recently. Like in 2019, Clemson and Ohio State had a great, great, great game. That was a lot of fun that Clemson won at the very, very end when Fields got picked off in the end zone. So hopefully, hopefully we can get better luck next year and get some better semifinal matchups. Hopefully, because next year is going to be the back to the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl next year for the semifinals. And I believe the finals is in L.A. next year. Don't quote me on that. I believe it's. L.A. and then Houston. I still find it weird that it's Indianapolis, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah, very strange decision, but eh, yeah. people like dumps. Exactly. Just it just because most of the game, I believe all the games have been in southern climates. Like, I want to say Dallas, Phoenix, Tampa, Atlanta, San Francisco, and then Miami. Uh, also New Orleans. Like, I feel like the the national championship should always be there, but it wouldn't shock at the same time, too. Hey, if Minnesota got one eventually, if there's all these other markets. Like I think Vegas is going to have one sooner than later. Yeah, I would agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. And Miami, Miami, Miami's getting one soon, too soon in a few years. They're getting another. Did more get announced or? Yeah, I saw today Vegas and Miami are getting the national title game, but it was announced today. Oh, okay, okay, because I know uh, college. Sorry for the dead air, folks, but I, I have to Google this because I'm actually genuinely curious. I just want to see because I know – let's see here. Uh, I saw you. You, could tw- you can go to Brett McMurphy's Twitter. That's where I got oh, it Oh, I from. see it right here. 2025 is in uh, Vegas and then 26 is in Miami. I get yep. Miami getting 26 just because of uh, probably they won't, the Rose Bowl won't be a factor. That, the, not Rose Bowl, excuse me. The, the Orange Bowl won't be a factor. And also do probably because they pr- couldn't properly have one last year. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good way to that. That'd be a good way to put it. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can see around there. Um, but I think with that, I think you know what? That's the last podcast for the NFL regular season. Big Rat, we'll definitely get you back on in the playoffs, folks. If you haven't heard already, I'm probably gonna start doing some Twitch stuff soon, so stay tuned to that. That might be football and other sports too, maybe a little more betting centered. But playoffs, don't worry, content's gonna be pumping out. I'm gonna be bringing the best of the best for guests on. And even, too, I may have a few tricks up my sleeve that may be getting announced in the next few weeks. But for Big Rat, for myself, enjoy Week 18. Big Rat, it was a blast having you on, as always. It was a blast. I hope your favorite team loses this weekend. But uh, it was fun. And uh, more than anything, uh, let's just hope for let's hope for some really good playoff matchups and a good Sunday night game. That's all I hope for. Hopefully we can get good football all weekend long. Well, anyway, folks, that's going to do it here for episode number 143 of YWC Football Talk. I'll see you guys in the postseason. A big rat. I hope your favorite team loses too. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.